Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Well, welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Joel Gaston with John Fraser as usual. And uh, we open this episode on a little bit of a somber note, our first of 2021. For a bit of a hiatus as, um, unfortunately, some sad news happened while... Uh, we were not recording podcasts due to lack of interest. Um, and that was, of course, the passing of a good friend to uh, both of us and a lot of people in this province. Uh, one, Warren Woods, you may know him from the CJME Green Zone or his time on a Global TV slash STV as well. Um, you, all, I'm sure you all know the story by now. You may or may not. Um, obviously, he got COVID uh, late December, sorry, late November. And uh, through complications of that, eventually passed away in January. And um, it's just, it's been hard to wrap my head around a little bit at times with this. Um, obviously, I haven't really seen Woodsy since the end of the 2019 uh, CFL season. Um, I sit beside him in the press box at Ryder home games, so that's gonna be it's gonna be really weird uh, whenever we're allowed to go back and do that again. That uh, he won't be the guy beside me with his binoculars, looking at mm-hmm. the crowd as much as he is the field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so that's just gonna be weird, and obviously. Uh, John, I would love to send our, not love, but we would like to send our condolences and thoughts to um, all of his family, his friends, colleagues, just everyone who knew Woodsy, because it's just been, it's just been a, 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 such an outpouring of support since that news kind of broke, and it's just, it's just been, it's kind of been hard to deal with for a while. Well, yeah, and absolutely. Um, first off, uh, I know you said let's not make this too political or anything, but mm-hmm. I just want to say again, wear your fucking mask because uh, this is proof. Um, one of my favorite memories of Woodsy was I remember when I got back into the announcing game, when I got back into being a sports reporter, you know, it, it can be pretty intimidating. You walk mm-hmm. into a practice, especially at Riders training camp, and there's, you know, and Murray McCormick and at the time Rod Peterson and Lee Jones is there and and Woodsy's there and and all these guys that you're like holy shit I have been listening to and 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 reading and looking up to all these guys just consuming as a fan for so long 
and I'll never forget, it, it, we were sitting in the bleachers at, uh, at, at the U of S. Yep. And Woodsy, as he always does, he was holding court with all the old, you know, all the, all the old timers. The real yeah, birds, exactly. yeah. The real birds yeah. loved Woodsy, yep. Exactly. And and there was, he was there, and, and he, it was funny, because all through rider training camp, until Woodsy was there, you had your media guys, then you had your fans. Mm-hmm. And he had this ability, he brought everybody together. You know, me being a fairly new guy, you know, I was there, there was Murray and Vanstone and, and, and Rod, and there was a couple couple of those guys that show up at every rider training camp, and he had this ability to sit there, and it was like, he brought everybody together, we're all talking football, we're all talking about, you know, everything we saw on the field, and I, I must say that the only man that's ever made me pay attention to practice <laughs> wow. I'm famous, I'm famous for socializing and, and hanging out with the guys and working on my stories afterwards was Warren Woods, because Woodsy would be making these observations and asking everybody's opinion and engaging everybody. And he engaged everybody. And it's just, there's so many egos in sports, even in this province, mm-hmm. you know, this holier than thou, thou shall, you know, worship the ground I work on. I, I, I walk on. And Woodsy was never that no. despite being an absolute legend. And, you know, you and I have been there. There are days that, you'll be someplace and you don't want to talk to everyday people. Yeah. It's a lot of energy because they're going to pick your brain and they're going to ask you these questions and they're going to hold your, your, your word as some value. And it, and it can be a lot. And never once did I hear nor see Warren Woods, not just jump and, and, and revel at that opportunity. And that's just, just a great man. And it's a shame that he's gone so early. Mm-hmm. And wear your masks, please. Yes, I, I think sort of uh, Sam McKegg of CBC, She, I think she tweeted it far more eloquently than you did. No offense, John. Um... Uh, I, uh, <laughs> see, that's, see, that is the one thing with, with being like kind of out of the media for the most part. Yeah. We're really, in terms of my media presence, I kind of only answer to you because you like, you even put up a shield between Dunk and I. Or I'm like, I was I was angry, I was hurt, I knew how hurt you were, mm-hmm. I knew how hurt so many of my friends were, that I just had to work, uh, like, like a record, like, five F-bombs into one tweet, and, and Toyota, we do have a social media policy, and I remember texting our marketing guy, I'm like, hey, I'm quite upset about an old colleague and friend passing. I've put like a whole bunch of F-bombs out there. I'm good, right? He goes, hell yeah, you are. So kudos to Justin. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, so anyway, the gist of the whole thing was that um, COVID is real. Please wear a mask. Please wash your hands. Please keep your distance. And yes. please continue to follow the guidelines. And that's, I mean, we could really go off the rails in a whole bunch of different directions about this politically. Um, we do that enough while we text every day. Yeah, we could do that, but that's not. This is not what this platform, generally speaking, is about. That's not to say that we're, you know, we're not stick to sports guys. We're not going to do that sometimes when uh, the time is right. But I don't think that's the time is right when we're talking about a good friend right now. Um, Absolutely. For me, you know, I got to work with Woodsy for a little bit directly when he when I was still at the Green Zone, and that's you know, there's a lot of things that will always stick out in there. And it was always fun because, I mean, he would come in for the four o'clock hour and do the first hour with Jamie. So I got to see him a little bit there every day. Um, yeah. One of the funniest things and I he's was Woodsy's adventures with Twitter were always a lot of fun. 
Um, just because he would like he would often tweet a fair bit. He tweet late. He would often tweet late compared to everyone else when he was doing like he'd sit there on his phone and it'd be a very slow sort of get to the point sort of tweet. And I remember one day, um, we were at a press conference. I believe it was after Corey Chamberlain was fired. Corey Chamberlain and Brendan Tamlin were both fired. And all of a sudden, Woodsy's trying to tweet something on his phone, and a big video goes off. The big video, the big sound, and it was just, it was hilarious. I think it was like Lay's Chips or something. And it was just like, everyone turned and looked at Woodsy, but no one really got that mad about it at the same time. So... I don't know. <laughs> it was just it was just well, per- it was just perfect and I was just like, oh my gosh. I remember that oh so many other times he would just tweet like like a random punctuation or just a letter or just little things like that as a lot of people yes. of his age did from time to time. Um Right. But I always gave Woodsy tons of credit for taking the risk he did from going from television to radio at that point in his career yep. and for always adopting the new technology, like being on Twitter and doing these things yep. and um, learning to use the audio recording technology and, of course, the newsroom software to like read, um, to read the news and to yep. you know get clips and play clips and do that all sort of thing. So the fact that he was always willing to be able to do that was really cool as well. So um, he he wasn't your when you and I discussed this a lot. Yeah, he wasn't your grumpy old school media guy because there's a lot of those in Canada, and he and he's a of a generation that, that is overwhelmingly kind of like that. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. You're right. A generation that is overwhelmingly a, a, a bit insufferable when you get to know them. I, again, I think I think we're blessed in Saskatchewan that we largely avoid that. You know, like, like I mean, like the Murrays and the Vanstones of the world, like those guys aren't like that. But we've met some, especially from Alberta, that are very much like that. But like, yeah, Woodsy was just like that old media guy that all the new media guys loved. And that that to me is a huge sign of respect and love in this in this in this business that like mm-hmm. if all the new guys that that embrace analytics and 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 think that wearing a suit to games is dumb, if you can be embraced by all that next generation of guys, it's it's like the ultimate proof that, you know, in this business you have no ego. And that's the yeah. number one thing with Woodsy. You'd see him crushing bows out at <laughs> out at karaoke nights and yeah, just just a beauty like just a I know that term's overused but mm-hmm. it's such a good guy like yeah and I remember I used to always bug him that we would have to name the if they ever built an overpass or some kind of system to get trains off the ring road we'd have to name it after him <laughs> so I used to always call it the Warren Woods Memorial <laughs> overpass even though and I um I never anticipated actually having to be a real thing but I do hope that should something come to come to pass there one day that whether it's an overpass, an underpass, or something, that uh, his name gets put on that thing. That that would just be, I think that would be the perfect sort of, the perfect sort of little note that uh, a lot of people may or may not get, but I think it would just be, it would just be great to be able to do that. Rail at the Cooperator Center. You got to name that like the Woodsy Rail. I love the fact that New Mosaic now has a proper rail where he can just sit there. Like you got it, you got to put his name on both those. Like I knew No Mosaic, New Mosaic is is new, obviously, and he didn't hold court the way he did at Pat's games. But you got to toss his name on that. Like the Pat's, like that was his thing. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to toss his name on that, and I hope they do, and and I hope that gains some traction. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we're gonna get into, of course, Charleston Hughes and free agency and all that. Uh, but before, like that, as usual, before we get into all that, in honor of uh, Warren Woods, uh, what's in the glass this week? Well, if uh, had I known we were honoring Woodsy, I would have grabbed some Bohemian. <laughs> um, but I, I, I. I couldn't quite bring myself to do that. But what I could bring myself to do uh, was go out and buy over the weekend the Pile of Bones 8-pack mix pack. And as a guy that is pretty staunchly against stouts, minus the cold brew Americano, because I like coffee and I like beer, and I very much feel like I'm on the Drew Carey show when I have those, um, to get a, a local mixer pack that, that doesn't mess around by throwing a stout or, or a dark ale in there is fantastic. So I've been thoroughly enjoying that. So for tonight, um, of course, the white IPAs and the uh, and the Space Cadets were gone basically that same night. Uh, and, again, and this is not me saying that these beers are bad. They're just no. not the ones that I was all over quite as quickly. But uh, we're starting tonight with a Scarth Street, Street Blonde for Pile of Bones. Uh, a nice one if your friends are just getting into craft beer, support local, a nice blonde ale. And uh, taking your advice, hmm. normally at some point in the episode, I have to awkwardly walk across my basement with my laptop and microphone in tow to grab my <laughs> second beer from the beer fridge. Um, instead, taking your advice, I have taken the Pile of Bones Red Ale, which, as you mentioned, I think last time we recorded, it's really good right now. I can tell you it continues to be good, but I have taken it out of my fridge. It is sitting here warming up just a tad. Absolutely, yeah. Not to warm, like not to, to like room temperature or anything, but from cold, warming it up a bit. So uh, double love for the sponsors. I would have had more, but actually there it's funny. I can see the last can of white IPA from last night sitting in front of me when I was playing Cyberpunk 2077 down here in my <laughs> basement. Yeah, for me, uh, I picked up a mixer pack of Nokomis uh, the other day from a local what? local store. And so, yeah, I am drinking the Nokomis Brown Ale, which is a nice uh, darker sort of roasty toasty kind of beer. Tastes a little, it, honestly, it drinks more like a porter or a stout than a tr- traditional brown ale. So you will get some uh, some real beer nerds will kind of come after you know, a little bit for that one if you for be, being a quote-unquote brown ale. Uh, there right. Is, there are some people who think that uh, Jeff and Nicomas has kind of ruined brown ales for most people because he was kind of the first to the market with it in Saskatchewan, but it right, it's not really a brown ale. We'll, we'll just put that out there, but it's it's damn delicious, whatever you really want to call it, Jeff. So really, not mad at you for it. See, see, that's fair. I, I think actually, you and I had this discussion. Is as you know, I'm I'm kind of stout adverse, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the fact that well, first I gave the wrong name. First I said. Mark selling a mixer pack without stout in there, and you're like, wait, Mark's doing what? And of course, Mark being from Rebellion, like, no, 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 Glenn, our sponsor, and I got that all screwed up. So I'm glad you set me uh, set me straight there. So uh, me not being a stout guy, though, uh, pro- probably not my kind of beer. So I do like the suggestion though that you gave me for next time, Gas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go buy the Nakomis mixer pack, and I will just like ship you the brown ales. I, I wouldn't say no because it still comes with delicious golden ale, pale ale, and IPA. So that's that's fair. And once we can stop doing this COVID thing, we can actually you know hang out in Nokomis and try them all ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, which I which uh, I'm really interested in Nokomis right now. I saw that they're um, this won't interest you at all, but their their yearly bar- barrel aged imperial stout is out mm-hmm. for, like their yearly batches out for that. 
and so they put next year's batch into the barrel at the same time. There was some left over, and they actually canned it, so I'm interested to see what it tastes like before it sits in a barrel for a year. So. Right, because that's, that's just the... Um... That's the one you always see in the, the big giant bottles at the liquor yeah. stores, right? Yeah. 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 So they got four yeah. pack cans of that out right now. That is like the pre-aged. So that's that's right. kind of cool. Uh, speaking enough. of aging, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, made a decision today as we were recording this on Wednesday, February 3rd. By the time yep. this comes out, because it is that time of year, just about anything under the sun could happen. So that's why I felt like compelled to mention the day it was. Some veteran maneuver. Yeah. So just in case, because by tomorrow, by the time you listen to this, it's entirely possible that everything could have changed. And sorry, but that's just that's just the way podcasting works. So there's not much I can do about that. Regardless, they made the decision um, that Charleston Hughes will not be with the club during this 2021 season, whenever it begins, as uh, they release the veteran defensive end after uh, it seems like negotiations basically hit a wall between the two sides, and they have decided to part ways. Now... Of course, both sides are kind of going to spin their way a little bit. Uh, the true story may never fully be known. It's kind of seems like it's coming. It came down to a mix of money slash sort of just general tone respect sort of thing you hear from mm-hmm. players as well. Um, no one. I uh, just want to clear off the top. Like nobody is wrong in these in these sorts of decisions. Um, these are just things that happen over the time course of time with football and in sports where. You know what? For both these, for the team, it's a business, and for the player, it's their livelihood. So both of them have to do right by themselves first and foremost. And I think ultimately that's what happened here. Charleston Hughes is going to go where he thinks he has the best opportunity to maximize the time he has left in the CFL in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of financial interests and that sort of thing. And the Riders are going to do what they believe is best for their team for this year and probably for the next few years after that as well. So the, the, what, the interesting thing that's kind of come out of all this, and we'll get into sort of the big picture of sort of what the moves have all meant since, but because I think there's a clear trend of what Jeremy O'Day has kind of been doing, especially on defense a little bit, is this talk that it seems like it came down to, at least at the start of negotiations, a roughly $15,000 difference between the two. And while a lot of people are talking about how that doesn't seem like a very significant amount of money, and on some four-point-something million dollars, whatever the floor is on the salary cap that they're probably going to spend to this year, it's not. But when you consider other decisions that this team still has to make and other players they have to fit into their system, $15,000 isn't an insignificant amount of money when you still want to work with other guys to get on your roster, especially, you know, $15,000 could be a pretty significant difference when it comes down to whether you can keep, say, Cameron Judge or not. Well, and, and, and that's exactly it. Like, every single dollar helps as you have to look at. We have to assume that the gentleman's agreement has gone through as collusion-laden as it is and as flawed as it may be, that teams are basically looking at the floor as the cap this year yeah. rather than looking at the cap as the cap. So Floor-ish, maybe a, maybe not quite as hard as the top end of the cap, but floor-ish. Right, yeah. but the, you have to assume that with all the rumors and reporting coming out that nobody's going to be spending to the cap this year. So yeah, yeah, 15G could be make or break for a lot of people, and you have to look at you know the position... And, and and the Canadian non-Canadian status of these guys and make you know a big picture decision right so mm-hmm. Charleston Hughes I hate to say it I I I love him on social media although I did find his um 
little stink of desperation, a little off-putting the past week or so. It seemed a little weird, like asking fans to start a GoFundMe and going out and, you know, basically going on tour and saying, sign me, sign me, sign me. I don't know. It just... (laughs) I anyway. know he's gonna land. I know he's gonna land someplace. It just it it, it, it had a bit of weirdness to it, right? But yeah. Charleston Hughes plays a position that I don't want to say is easy to replace, but it's easier to replace than others. You know, the defensive line, unless you were Willie Jefferson, unless you're an absolute freak, if you've just basically decided that we're going to go young here, where we might take some lumps, we we believe we can get pressure with some new guys, it's it's a position that, in terms of American players, is easier to fill mm-hmm. than, say, looking for a Canadian D-lineman or a Canadian linebacker or something like that. So it is, to me, it's a, it's a calculated risk by Jeremy O'Day, one that I absolutely agree with. They've already got young players on this roster, and if you were to make me pick between getting a defensive lineman and, say, a ratio-breaking Canadian linebacker, there's one of those two positions I'm giving all the money to. And unfortunately, as well-liked and as big of a name that Charleston Hughes is, it is not to Charleston Hughes. So I think he's making a great decision here. Yeah, and I think really when you look at it, these are the types of decisions that historically... This franchise hasn't made a whole lot of, yes, Chris Jones released, you know, Weston Dressler and John Chick and Darian Durant. We was traded. So that kind of started the way for it. But before that, there was a lot of times where they would just hang on to guys for maybe a year too long, a little bit too longer, and it would eventually catch up to them. And right now what we're seeing is Jeremy O'Day O'Day has picked up on that and has learned from that and has decided, okay, no, I'm not going to make that mistake. Now, that's not to say, and I know he's he's talking like everything's going to be, he's going to be great this year because every player should think that way. And that's not to say that Charleston Hughes isn't going to have a a great 2021 season. He very well may lead the league in sacks again, and that doesn't necessarily make this a wrong move. Like the the two the two don't necessarily correlate together. Where if if Hughes has another say fifteen sack season, that doesn't mean the Riders made a mistake. Cause, no, because like you said, it is a replaceable position now. Also historically, this team has struggled at times at filling that spot and another spot we'll talk about in a little bit in the linebacker position. Because when John Chick left to the NFL, they spent a few years trying to find the next their next pass rusher until John Chick returned from the NFL. <laughs> So right. it's not it's not unheard of to not find the guys. It can be difficult to find the guys, but we do know that AC Leonard had 11 sacks last year, so he's been pretty good. We do know that they have pretty high expectations and they think pretty highly of Chad Jeter. He's a young yep. guy who seems to be up and coming. And Freddie Bishop III's on the roster as well, who's not a bad, you know, he's a pretty good pass rusher as well. And then realistically, you can get pretty good pass rush if you get that push up the middle which we do expect to see from McKenna Henry this year in replacing Zach Evans as after a bit of a dubious start last year with some shenanigans that weren't warranted on the football field he kind of got his act together and started to play really well so big picture this is a decision that has kind of been lacking in Saskatchewan at times and it's good to see Jeremy O'Day be that guy who is willing to make that tough decision because yes this was still ultimately a very tough decision I'm sure Jeremy O'Day hasn't you know, thought about it and hasn't been like, oh, I really wish, you know, I really, you know, it's been like, nope, bye, Charleston, I don't care about you. Like, it's it's still very much, I'm sure, a difficult decision, but one that had to be made and hasn't always been made for this franchise. Right. 
And it's, it's an interesting if you look at the bigger picture of the defensive line now for this team, where you look back at the last time they played football in that season in 2019, their starters included Mika Johnson, Zach Evans, and Charleston Hughes, and A.C. Leonard. Only A.C. Leonard is back. And so when you look at that group, what you see is a group that in 2019 was maybe a little bit on the old side. Now in 2021, you could definitely say would have been on the old side if they were all together. Mika Johnson was already gone last season had they played. So I think had they played in the 2020 season, you would have seen a more gradual shift along this defensive line. Because I, th- I think that's sort of, you saw Mika Johnson as, I'm not going to say underrated as he was in Saskatchewan. I think he got a bit of a unfair look in Saskatchewan from a lot of people just because he didn't quite meet his sack numbers that he got in Calgary but that which which is not really a defensive tackle stat that matters quite frankly it's bonus so I think he played better than people give him credit for but he wasn't worth the money he was going to get so bye-bye and then in 2019 as well Zach Evans wasn't looking great um retrospect now when they cut him it looks like he may have been one of those guys that may have been on the bubble at the start of camp last year in 2020 had they played so you might have slowly seen a shift there and then would have culminated with Charleston Hughes would have played for sure with the Riders last season and that in 2020 and that would have been the end of it instead we're just going to this big sharp change all of a sudden because they hadn't played in the game in over a year you know Joel you, you make a good point here talking about Sacks being a sexy number, and that's the number that the fans look at, and that's the thing that drove me a little bit nuts here with Mika Johnson. To me, he was great. He created a ton of pressure from his spot and was almost always getting double teamed. Now, so was A.C. Leonard. Now, so were other members of that Riders defensive line. If you go back and look at the film, now I'm not saying that Charleston Hughes is over the hill. I'm not saying he doesn't have another year or two left in him. What I am saying is if you watch games and you pay attention, Charleston Hughes, most of his sacks were generated from being playing one-on-one. Now, again, it still takes a phenomenal amount of talent and athleticism to beat an offensive lineman one-on-one like he was, but Mm. he wasn't drawing the double teams like the rest of that line. You know, it was almost like for for every – Ryder fan that was looking to be like, well, why doesn't Mika Johnson have 10 sacks? Why doesn't he? Well, those sacks were getting transferred to Charleston Hughes because teams were so concerned about Mika Johnson in the middle that they were double teaming him, right? So I'm not saying he's over the hill, but I do think that if he played with a lesser quality D-line, I do think almost two years ago now, his sack totals wouldn't have been as high as they were. Yeah, it's, I think it's that's a fair like, point. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the Doug Brown years in Winnipeg. Look back at Doug Brown's sack totals. They were almost always minuscule. But look at the sack totals of the two guys coming off the edge. You could have had me and you off the edge with the amount of attention that some teams gave Doug Brown. I'm not saying we'd sack anybody. No, definitely not. They'd still put three guys on Doug Brown, even with you (laughs) and me at defensive end. I think if you and I were at defensive end, they'd put all five guys on Doug Brown. (laughs) That's that's, (laughs) You're not wrong there. In his prime, that's exactly what they would have done. (laughs) Maybe four. There'd be some other. There'd be be the other DT they'd have to worry about. So maybe four on Doug Brown. Four on Doug Brown, one of the other DT, you and me maybe get the running back. Ah, no, they'd, they'd run empty set because they knew that we wouldn't be able to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to visualize in my head five guys on Doug Brown right now. 
Well, I desperately, out of out of wind, maybe with puke on my jersey from running too hard, try to get after a CFL quarterback one-on-one and see how badly I could fail. Yeah, even if it was like Ricky Ray or Anthony Calvillo who were like statues, I still don't think we'd get there. <laughs> I absolutely would. I'd find a way to ask myself to be out of the game of the first quarter. <laughs> but but again, like that's that's the effect that that the rest of the line has, and and I am I am full support of Jeremy O'Day on this move. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of Ryder fans on Twitter that aren't a surprising and... number that that do get it to now, though. I think there's a lot more fans that have come around to the idea of this is how it's supposed to be since the no, whole Dressler chick thing. Because I think when we saw when Weston Dressler, especially and John Chick, were let go and Darian Durant, the three of them. Um, Dressler was kind of quasi the one that had the best run after that. I think John Chick was good for a year at Hamilton and then fell off the cliff hard. Uh, we all know kind of how Durant lasted in Montreal for about a game before falling off the cliff. Dressler was kind of off and on, but was never really himself since then either. So, And again, that's not to say that Charleston Hughes can't have a big year or two, but just in terms of the composition of the roster and where this team is going, unless he was going to willing to come really cheap, or the other scenario where I would have considered... Uh, re-signing Charleston Hughes for the season was if I knew for sure at this point there was guaranteed you told me the riders that there was only going to be a nine game regular season or something then I'm thinking hmm okay maybe because as much as we talk about the sack totals Hughes has had the last number of years a lot of them have generally come in the first half of the season so if you're telling me I can get sort of that production before he slows down a little bit okay now you have my attention right no Absolutely. And and I think, too, you know, the talk of the money on the table of $150,000 a year for Charleston Hughes and only being, you know, 15 grand apart. If I'm Jeremy O'Day, and I might be jumping ahead of you here, Gas, but uh-huh. if I'm Jeremy O'Day, releasing Charleston Hughes is a relief, I guess, because now to me, you literally put that 150 G into a dump truck. You back up to Cam Judge's house on top of whatever you had just offered him. You put that on top and you hit the dump button. And you put it on his front yard with a contract and say, pitter patter, let's get at her. Yeah, so I think that's sort of the natural transition was um, as much as Charleston News is kind of an interesting talking point in terms of because he's a fan favorite and the personality right. and everything about him. Um, the piece I wrote for three down nation. Yeah. The piece I wrote for three down nation though, for the sort of the writer free agency preview as we're getting into that sort of time of year basically comes down to whatever happens with cam judge, I believe is going to determine the course of where this team goes in the next few weeks, kind of the decisions they right. make between now and the draft basically. And the decisions even they make at the draft where if they're able to resign Cameron Judge, which right now, uh, Jeremy O'Day said the other day that he is still exploring NFL opportunities. Um, right. Fine. Personally, if he, I don't see that working out for him just because he didn't get a contract during the season at some point, even to be on a PR spot. Um, looking at futures contracts right now for guys in the NFL, but it's been over a year since he's got any new game film. So if he didn't get a job last year in the NFL or this year up at this point... I mean, stranger things have happened, but I would be surprised if Cameron Judge signed in the NFL at this point. It's basically what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Doesn't mean it can't happen. I just would be surprised if it happened. So, now that he's probably going to want to test the open market a little bit, which is, of course, his prerogative as a free agent, and maybe he gets priced out of Saskatchewan, maybe he doesn't. 
If he doesn't and he's back, I think you're going to see Jeremy O'Day and the team kind of focus in and they will pretty much have everything that they want in a box based on free agency at that point. You might see them go out and try it and maybe snag a Canadian offensive line or two. As it seems, there's some names that may be going on the market there. In the name of not sounding out of date, I'm not really going to mention any of them in case something changes by the time you listen to this <laughs> podcast. But there's some guys that could be out there. Um, so that might kind of be the focus. You maybe see them him go down that route again, maybe get a guy that way via free agency. That's kind of about it. If they, if they manage to not sign Cameron Judge, it changes a lot about the makeup of this team in a lot of different ways. Because all of a sudden now you have like no linebackers back from next last the last time you played a right. game. You have no linebackers back from last year, I believe, if you had played a game. Right. And you've lost one of your Canadian starters. Now, unless they think a guy like Mika Tights is ready to be an everyday starter, it's probably going to prompt a ratio change unless there's someone in the draft who comes out of nowhere and is suddenly a starting middle or will linebacker in this league, or there's another guy on the market that you think could be a starting linebacker. That's a Canadian in this league. And so that changes kind of the approach of what may or may not happen over the next few weeks for this team, because all of a sudden you need to find that seventh Canadian plus others who you think may be able to start. So the options then become, okay, what, what do the riders do as a team? Then if Cameron judge, isn't your, for the sake of this argument, the seventh starter, obviously in terms of the depth of their Canadian starters, he's not actually seventh, but in this situation he is right now, because the other six spots are locked in. So where do they go from here? Well, the options could be then, do they then have to get aggressive in free agency or trades to get more Canadian offensive linemen and maybe shift right tackle to a Canadian spot? Or is there a receiver they think can fit in and then they go 3-2 instead of 4-1? Or is there another defensive tackle? Or do they think that there's you know someone in their secondary on top of Mike Edom that could be able to shift into, say, you know, the outside corner spot or something like that. I don't know. These are all decisions that Jeremy O'Day is going to have to make if they're unable to sign Cameron Judge. If they're able to sign Cameron Judge, their seventh stays in place, and they still have options at receiver, offensive line, and the secondary, should they want to start eight, or should something happen to an injury, there's a spot where they can plug someone in to make sure that they still have the seven guys. Well, and that's why the Judge signing is so important. Yeah. Right. You can you can lose Charleston Hughes because it doesn't touch your ratio. It doesn't touch the way that your roster is built. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, say, lose out on Cameron Judge and then you like, let, let's face it right now at this point in Saskatchewan, it's Cameron Judge or Solomon Elamimian. It's not both. It could be neither as well. Like I, I, right. I, I think there's. I, I, I think neither yeah. is. I think neither is a real bad situation for the team. It's not great. Like, like, I, I think Cameron, losing Cameron Judge is obviously the bad thing no matter what. I think should... Cause, like, I think it's in all likelihood Solomon Elmimium is gone. Um, but if, right. they don't, if, they don't, if they aren't unable to re-sign Cameron Judge, then maybe you circle back and there's maybe an opportunity there to bring him back to have some sort of presence at linebacker still regardless. But there's other names on the markets too they'll be able to look at there as well. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think they could overcome it. More so than the loss of Cameron Judge. Yes, yes, absolutely. You you said that best. Yeah, I I, I think if you resign, if you're able to resign Cameron Judge, you're going to lose Saul. Mm-hmm. Although you don't want to lose that guy, and you're probably only losing him because of the way that this year is. Um, I don't 
I don't hate it if it means like to me if if this is what appears as though Jeremy O'Day is aiming for is you lose Saul, you lose Charleston, but you get Cameron Judge. Yeah. In an ideal world, of course, you want all three of those guys, but this is not an ideal world. And to I'm, me, I'm, I'm not even sure with a full cap if I'm keeping all three of them. If we're being perfectly honest. No, I think I think I think in a full cap, I keep Solomon and Cameron Judge. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I I think Charleston was gone no matter what. You know, I, I I'm glad that you know both sides talked and and fan favorite and yada yada yada. But to me, the value of Saul and Cameron is significantly more. And again, this is not speaking him as a player. This is speaking to the depth that the Riders have acquired at the defensive line spot compared to linebacker, right? So, mm-hmm. especially Canadian like Canadian linebackers are not easy to find, especially ones that well start as... start like high caliber starters are hard to fi- harder to find. You can find well, a million Canadian linebackers; they just all play special teams. Well, you can find a million Sam Hurls. Mm-hmm. Yes, I got to whip one again. <laughs> Years later, and I'm still dunking on Sam Earl. <laughs> I'll never forget watching him try to tackle somebody and just getting dragged. Anyways, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but you're right. You don't you don't find a lot of Cam judges, and I agree with you. I don't I, like if you haven't signed in the NFL by this point. I don't know if you necessarily are. So, uh, and, and and you said it. We were taught, you wrote it in your piece on three down, mm-hmm. and you and I were talking about before the before the podcast that. This is what Jeremy O'Day does. Jeremy O'Day singles out his own guys that are high-value guys and makes a priority on re-signing them and then placing value bets. And that, to me, makes him a great general manager. Yes, there is a small portion of Ryder Nation that's bitching all over social media today talking about the fact that, oh, we didn't get a big name. We're not out spending money. We're not... Basically, Jeremy O'Day, despite working with John Murphy, is like, <laughs> the borrow John Murphy. <laughs> John Murphy's like, hey, you got a name? Yeah, you've been in the league a couple years? Want a bunch of dollars? Well, hey, are you an NFL flameout? Come, come see me. Yeah. Come on, let's get at it. Doesn't matter. Let's go. I'm John Murphy. Well, Jeremy O'Day, despite working with like, and again, let's think of that old three-headed monster of John Murphy, Chris Jones, Jeremy O'Day. There was two guys there that were like, huh, Joe Blow recognizes your name. Let's sign you. Meanwhile, Jeremy O'Day has taken the approach of John Huffnagel and gone like, let's sign our guys that I see value in. And then make small value bets in free agency. Yeah, and trust my scouts to bring me younger, cheaper guys to fill out the roster. Exactly. Which is what Calgary's been doing for years. Mm -hmm. And it's it's good to see in Saskatchewan that. And, And, like, all this being said, though, Cam Judge is very much, though, one of those guys that... Resigning Cam Judge is, is like, you... I don't... Looking through the free agency list for guys that are still out there that haven't taken pay cuts, that haven't re-signed with their teams, there's not a lot of guys that are on other teams that you could convince me that would be a bigger splash than re-signing Cam Judge right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. and Because, I, I mean, a lot of the names out there, too, are in spots where they don't really need guys. Like, there's guys like Ricky Collins and these different receivers that have become available all of a sudden, but they're loaded. They're loaded with the nines of receiver. They don't need to sign a receiver. There were some right. rumblings about Greg Ellingson because Jason Moss liked him. He ended up re-signing in Edmonton. That's the only guy 
that had a receiver got to the open market, I could have seen them maybe making room for. But other than that, like you don't need to make a move there. You don't need to make a move at running back. You don't need to make a move in the secondary. No. The, the defensive line guys are mostly there for the most part. You're going to have the three that we talked about. You're going to have like AC Leonard. You're going to have Chad Jeter. You're going to have McKenna Henry. And then the American spot will be filled by someone. They'll figure that out. It'll probably be some younger, cheaper guy, and it'll work. It'll be fine, probably. And so you're basically looking at linebackers and some offensive linemen because you're always looking at offensive linemen. And, especially Canadian, especially with the, the yep. sneaky the sneaky devastating loss of Dakota Shepley to the NFL. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's certainly things that those that's basically all they have to look at. And from a you know offensive line perspective, that can be looked at in the draft a little bit to add some depth there. I mean, they have uh, some other guys. They have last year's draft class to come into, which will help, obviously. Right. And that's where it's going. And the, you know, the other spot where they can probably just look at it in the draft for late in free agency, because I guess outside of all that, if you really wanted to talk about a spot, I guess the writers maybe need to make some decisions on is on special teams. And that's both of their kickers, who neither of which have resigned right now. Uh, John right. Ryan has basically sort of suggested he still wants to play football. Uh, it's not really about the money for him. So it sounds like if he, if the riders are interested and he's interested, he'll probably resign at some point. It's kind Which of because the riders really... apparently love, love rouges after, you know, leading the league in them, they'll probably bring him back. Yeah. So I mean, reading between the lines, that sounds like something that may happen if there's mutual interest, maybe he explores elsewhere. If there isn't, I don't know. I wouldn't mind a switch at punter personally, but that's me. Um, Brett Lowther had some interesting comments though, where he, He's basically said, you know, he would like to play for the Riders again this year, as every free agent always ever says. And, but he's not entirely convinced about signing a CFL contract anywhere. Now, this is even about the Riders, as far as we know. He had a great right. he had a great story with Marie McCormick talking about uh, Marie McCormick, leader of the Post, of course, talking about how he's unsure about signing a CFL contract right now until he's fairly certain that there's going to be games played because he would not want to sign a contract and then not be able to play. Now, his method of trying to get on with an NFL team hasn't really worked. I'm just tweeting them. But regardless. <laughs> or, ha- or, ha- or having everybody in friggin' Saskatchewan tweet them every time a kicker mixes a kick. Like, guys. But, re- but regardless, regardless, <laughs> I understand where he's coming from, where at least you have the opportunity to potentially play there or somewhere else should something happen in the CFL not play games. Now, at this point, right. I'd be fairly confident there's going to be some sort of a CFL season this year. But I, I understand what he's saying in terms of, I want to see this play out a little bit on the COVID side a little bit more before signing on the line. Right. And you can, I, if I was in his situation, I would think the same way. Yeah. Right. Like you're such a specialized you know, guy that you may be replaced. Like you, they could draft a guy or they can find some guys and free agent. But if all of a sudden, you know, a week before camp, Brett Lowther shows up and says, hey, I want to sign a contract, he'll be like, okay. Because <laughs> he's a proven well, then, commodity that's going to kick at least 85%. Exactly. He's going to kick 85%, and he has the correct passport as well, right? Yeah. So uh, both both big factors with it. I can see Brett Lowther's point, because let's face it, the yep. CFL strategy for next season is basically, oh, shit, let's hope the vaccine gets out there to the point we can have some to all fans in the stands next year. They haven't really had, I mean, like, their plans as much put together with duct tape and hope as the NLLs was, and the National Lacrosse League just canceled their spring season, quote-unquote. But um, I agree with his point. You're right. I I mean, you're a 
weird opportunity away or a hamstring mm-hmm. tear away from playing in the NFL. So why lock yourself up? But that being said, this is like with the expanded practice rosters, with everything that's going on in the NFL, with how just flagrantly shitty kickers were down south this year. I'm honestly surprised if, he didn't get a look from someone. I'm a, I agree with you. I am surprised he didn't get a look. But the fact that he didn't get a look is maybe a sign that, Brett, you're going to need a little bit more on Phil. Maybe, yeah. So I don't fault him for waiting until we know there's actually going to be a season to sign. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to me, you should make sure you sign somewhere because, like, you have the ability, you have the skills, you have the obnoxiously annoying Twitter following to the point the word louder is actually muted on my Twitter because it just got insufferable. But you have all that going for you, so but he, obviously you just he does, he does something he, else. Yeah, he does have the capability to wait this out a little bit, though. Like, he doesn't need to sign in the first yeah. week of free agency. No, absolutely. And I imagine he's probably had an open dialogue with Jeremy O'Day basically hmm. saying as much. Yeah. But I'm all for free agent kickers. Well, yes, because there is one specific kicker that, as far as we know, despite kicking in the NFL a little bit this year and remaining on a practice roster spot afterward, has not signed on with said NFL team, has not signed a futures contract anywhere in the NFL. And therefore, I believe, I think NFL practice rosters are like CFL ones where when the season ends, you're, unless you are signed to a futures contract, you are instantly a free agent, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you there's one that is currently already on the market and could be signed today if a CFL team was interested. Sergio. So is this now the start of the Sergio to Saskatchewan campaign? Until, <laughs> the until, Sir- they, until they sign John Ryan and Brett Lowther probably eventually. But regardless, we can get our hopes up that <laughs> our boy, your son, my adopted son, will... <laughs> end up in our home of Saskatchewan so we will be able to do a incredibly dumb podcast episode with him oh that would be just like <laughs> that's just... really all this is about it could just be for training camp and then we'd just be happy because we did the episode and then it, I mean it, obviously it really we, obviously be. we want Sergio to have a job in the CFL or somewhere yeah. in football so just yes. so we can talk about him all season but at the very least we would like him to be in camp in Saskatchewan in order to do an episode with him well and and, and that would be it totally selfishly like okay, there's one place I'd rather Sergio go, being a Bombers fan, and that's to Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Sergio sign, if Justin Medlock leaves, retires, goes to the NFL, and they sign Sergio, I'm getting a Castillo jersey. <laughs> Done deal. We'll do seventh <laughs> Bombers jersey. I don't even care. But if he like the thought of being able to drive down to Regina, talk to our old colleague Ariel Zer, and get a two-on-one with Sergio Castillo. And have him sign something. I will get, I will find, I will find on eBay an 8x10 of Sergio from his time with the Jets to get it signed. She'll hang in any man cave I've ever had. Get him to sign the a picture of him chugging the seltzers in the XFL locker room. <laughs> That's even better. I will go, I will, I will get that. I will get it blown up in Don's photo and I will have him sign that. Because anybody that crushes, openly crushes a couple of drinks after a win... And is all, by all accounts a pretty decent human, and has a fun name to say. That's my boy Sergio. So yes, let's begin the Sergio to Saskatchewan campaign. Let's go, Sergio, my boy. Come home. 
Come to the prairies. We're waiting for you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.